You're listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. Greetings to you. Hey, how are you doing? I'm good. Good. I right. feel good. Okay. Life feels fine. That's that. Yeah. Not yeah. convincing again. I know. I no, realize. No, 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 no. I can even hear like my me, own tone. To yeah. someone like me, I'm like, fine. That is like, people ask too much. <laughs> you know what I mean? Fine is dandy. Fine is fine. Fine is great. Dandy is a piece of candy. Yeah. The weather today on recording is great. It is. Cool, but not cold. I mean, like mm. 70 degrees. Yeah. A little overcast. Very, oh, significantly overcast. I mean, yeah. no beam of sun. No beam of I sun right now. I can do it a little yeah. bit because we have to film later. It would be nice to get a beam of sun. but um, <laughs> One singular beam yeah. of sun. But for just being, for just being in this for world. just existing. It's mighty nice. For subsisting. Yes. As the Latins would say it. Mm. You know how they say. I do. You know do. how they do. I do you know how, how they, they talk say. about the Latin. There's a, there's a dead language we should bring back yeah latin wow it just sounds pretty to me that's yeah. all it is on a lot of those like uh state seals and state iconography it is and academic will we things. have to change to a different dead language <laughs> <laughs> translate all of them to something else all right get rid of the latin go back to classical greek yeah yeah and then you know it's just we keep cycling back to these old dead languages hmm. i was reading an old english book the other day when i say old english I mean, not just like all oh, the words are King Jamesy. You yeah. know what I mean? Like thou's and thy's mm. and, and and what have you. But I mean, the script is old English. Whoa! Like if you've never looked at an old English script, it doesn't look like English. And sometimes, right. in some cases, like the S's look more like F's. Yeah. And words are spelled very differently, mm -hmm. very differently. <laughs> it does feel sometimes like reading a foreign language, but not really. Mm. It's very odd how language... And I imagine those are scans, right? Scanned pages or something like that? Yes. So they're not always high quality scans. No. So you're like, even that was a good picture, I don't know what that one is. Low quality scans of old pieces of paper that are already... <laughs> Low quality in their own way. Yeah. You know? How do we get on this Latin talking, yeah. subsisting, the weather? Yeah. The strange journeys that we take to get to where we are. Isn't that funny? It Isn't is. that fun how that works? Mm. Anyway. You know what else is not fun? <laughs> what the is opposite it? of that? The opposite of everything I just said? Yeah, tell me. Because I was having fun. I yeah, have fun. Sure. I have fun. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I was literally the whole time I'm like I was trying very Waiting, hard like, to think of a different segue. I'm yeah. like strange, strange pathway to something. Stranger Things season four. Yeah. Haven't watched any of it yet. Really good. I'm eager, but yeah. I am uh, I'm not there yet. So mm. gotta finish Kenobi and yeah. all the other things happening in my life right now. So but you know, mm. I don't know about Stranger Things season four, but I think we all know. I think we all know about that verse talking about marriage oh. where it says what God has joined together, let no man tear apart. I've heard of it. Let no man tear asunder, if you will. Yeah, I like asunder. Yeah, I do too. I mm. like that word. Sometimes, depending on if I'm doing a wedding and I'm marrying the couple, not like marrying, like I'm getting married to them. I am right, I am enacting right. the, I the marriage. Yes, thank you. Just wanted to make sure everyone was following along. I sometimes will, instead of saying the more modern, let no man tear apart, I will say, let no man tear asunder. Oh, yeah. I just like the you way it sounds. You don't even need that. You don't ask anyone about that. Do you? Like, <laughs> you just, just, no, I just do it. Go, I'm just like, I'm just doing it. Come on. You know, <laughs> give the program. Has anyone ever tried to do like a let no man tear in twain? <laughs> No, 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 no. I mean, I wouldn't say no, but anyway, yeah. So we have that verse that says what God has joined together, let no man tear apart or asunder. Mm -hmm. But we could also flip that statement to say something like what God has made distinct, let no man rebelliously unite. Ooh. Because mixing things that ought not be mixed 
leads to monstrosity and ruin. You mm. know, like, for example, in the union of the sons of God and the daughters of men in Genesis 6, 1 through 4. You remember that? I do. Yeah, because, you know, out of that union, you get the beastly Nephilim, those demon children, <laughs> big old giant demon children. And next thing you know, the world is being wiped away in a flood. So yeah. I don't know about you, but that does not sound like my idea of a good time. Uh, no. No, not (laughs) at all. It is one of those biblical moments where you're like, wow, that'd be cool to see. Not cool to live. No, 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 no. Don't want to be there. (laughs) What is happening? Even the Ark experience sounds like that sucks. Everything about- Can you imagine how bad that would smell? Yeah. Don't want to do any of it. Really, everything about that period of history. No, thank you. Yeah, no, thank you. All that being said, you could apply and misapply that principle in a number of ways Mm. of, you know, uniting what God has made distinct. But- For the purposes of this podcast, we've already done an episode on the sons of God, the daughters of men. So what I want to do is actually just take that principle and briefly share two things that as a Christian, you should never, never, ever, no matter what, I cannot emphasize this enough, never, ever mix together. And those two things are justification and sanctification. Oh, okay, okay. I'm super glad we're talking about this, actually. Oh, yeah, Um, yeah. Because I actually remember in a meeting recently, you used one of these words. And I thought to myself, how good is my grasp? (laughs) You know what I mean? I was like, I feel like I have my definitions, like, really clear, exactly for the amount of time they're being talked about. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Someone presses the question, like, what do you mean by that? Well, no, 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 don't ask me. Don't ask me any questions. (laughs) Like I, and I do, I think I tend to understand it in context pretty well when people are describing it. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm tracking with you in the conversation, but I don't think I could coherently speak about it. If you were to just like blindside me with the topic, I think I would be like, oh, so I am glad we're, we're here in this space. Yeah, and that's totally fair because I feel like that's true of a lot of terms yeah. that not just in Christianity, but terms that get used all the time <laughs> by people all across the world. And if someone just asks you, what do you actually mean by that? You can pretty quickly realize, hmm, well, what do I mean by that? So in our case, justification, we'll start there, is a shorthand term used through all of scripture, especially by Paul. It really, really shows up in Paul to describe our right standing with God. So to put the matter starkly, we stand condemned before God by default, which is a frightening proposition, because we've all sinned and fallen short of his glory. That includes every single one of us. No exceptions, (laughs) according to Christian teaching. As the great writer G.K. Chesterton once said, original sin is the only doctrine that's been empirically validated. And all look at that, you know. So God looks at our case, which is the most open and shut affair in the history of creation. This isn't like the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial where it's like we're waiting in deliberation. It's (laughs) like you go into the courtroom and it's like, nope, guilty. Immediately we know this. And so he pronounces us guilty, slams the gavel, and the angelic bailiff comes to haul us off to hell forever, right? That would be the situation if you just looked at it on its surface. Or at least that's the way it should be if our judgment is based purely on our own thoughts, words, and deeds. Mm. But thanks be to God, that is not the way it has to be because we can, as it turns out, receive a not guilty verdict from this great judge and ruler of the universe. And uh, believe it or not, the remarkable thing about the Christian teaching on this, Mm. of our justification of securing this right standing and not guilty verdict before God, is that we don't have to do one bloody thing in order to get that verdict. Because Christ did the literally <laughs> bloody thing by shedding his blood and dying in our place to pay the guilty verdict, pay the penalty that our sin and rebellion accrued. And Paul tells us in Romans 3.28 that we are justified, made right, and declared not guilty before God by faith in Christ apart from works of the law. So without getting too deep into the weeds, this basically means that despite our sin and rebellion against God, only thing we have to do in order to hear God say not guilty guilty to us is put our trust 
in Jesus Christ. Because when we do that, Christ takes his perfect right standing before the Father because he is the beloved son. He is also very God of very God. So he has all that going for him. And in essence, he clothes us with that righteousness so that when God looks at us, what he sees is not our sin, but his son's righteousness. And for that reason and that reason alone, we can stand justified before God, which is a major theme of what we've been talking about in our series on the book of Galatians. Hmm. So, yeah. I think the odd thing about this, like it's pretty much the big central deal. Yes. Like Christ's sacrifice yes. for us. This far into the explanation, it's kind of wild to realize it's wrapped up in the terms so many of us get confused and twisted. Mm-hmm. Like you'd think we'd never get that one mixed up. No, never. It's like, However, so central. <laughs> it's how, and like, it, it's even weird, like thinking about that. I mean, because I myself, by my own admission, am guilty of that. Yep. Like, why don't I have that instant knee jerk association? Mm-hmm. That's like, it's kind of odd, I feel like, to look back and like, oh, that's, I don't have the immediate recall right. to connect those things. Yeah. And I think part of this is, you get into a number of reasons for this, but sure. one is it's, I think, not natural. Like, as in like, we don't tend to think the world works that way. Mm. You know, it's not like, oh yeah, oh. you just get off scot-free because this guy did something in your place and God says, okay, yeah, you're fine. Like, we just don't tend to see the world working that way. But also pick on our poor Catholic cousins a lot, but like the whole Protestant Reformation, really, it came down to a lot of things, but at the heart of it was this whole notion of how are we justified? And I don't want to misconstrue the Catholic position on this, but there's a little more going on there than just, oh, you're solely justified by faith alone. And so I think we do tend to get that mixed up. Mm. (laughs) You know, you're reading one passage of scripture and you forget other passages of scripture. Yeah, for sure. Which is exactly our problem with this, because justification happens in a single definitive moment. Mm. We cannot be unjustified. So once God has pronounced our pardon, there is no one who can condemn us and nothing in all the created order that can separate us from him. Paul lays that out beautifully in Romans 8, 39. But unfortunately, many Christians tend to confuse their justification with another very crucial facet of the faith, and that is our sanctification. And when that sort of mixture happens, it's a really bad gig, but it mildly. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know if I want to imagine what you can do with that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but when you describe justification as that singular moment, like that, that's my inception totem to, re- <laughs> to remembering. Because I think like I have all of these growing up connotations around sanctification mm-hmm. that are like, okay, yeah, the ongoing process. And I, you know, right. I have a capacity to fail. And that is not a reflection on the work of Christ. Yes. Like that's my end point. Right. Yes. And I think that touches on a huge contribution to the confusion around this because at the heart of a mixture of these two things is you mixing up you and I, not (laughs) you specifically, Ethan, but like we mixing our progress in the faith, our growth and holiness with the finished and completed work of Christ. Like my failure and sin Mm -hmm. does not change what Christ did on the cross. You know, it's not like he's like, well, you undid everything I just did. You know, that's, that's not how this works. Not how any of this works. So, when we say sanctification, what are we talking about? Good question. Sanctification is the shorthand term to describe our progressive holiness in the Christian life. So, it is a word that captures a rather complex concept, to be fair. Like, this is not <laughs> this is not an easy concept to grasp right off the bat. The idea is that having been justified, so like, we didn't do anything to merit God looking at us and saying, not guilty. We simply just trusted in Christ and rested in him alone. And having been justified, our lives then, the idea is, will be truly changed by God's amazing grace toward us. Like, if you 
are able to understand the magnificence of that and the sheer goodness of God in doing that. One of the illustrations I love to use is like Jean Valjean mm. in Les Miserables. Yeah. You know, he he was still a thief and a criminal when he stole that priest's silver. Mm-hmm. He had done nothing. He had demerited the priest's forgiveness. Like yeah. the priest had every right to say when the police brought Valjean back, oh, no, haul him off back to prison for the rest of his life. But instead he forgives him, says, no, the silver is yours. Like he, this man has spoken truly. I gave him the silver. Mm. And he says, I've, you know, Catholic theology says, like, I've used the silver to buy your soul back for God. But like, <laughs> That act of grace transforms Jean Valjean. Yeah. Like when he realizes what's happened to him, it completely changes him. Mm. And in the future, of course, like of course he continues to make mistakes, but that doesn't change what the priest did for him. Right. Back then. Now, if he had gone out and continued in his life of crime, it's like, did you really understand what that guy did for you? Right. Like, no, obviously you did not. Something then, was not clicking there. That's like that's purely on him at that point. Right, exactly. So in our case, we were forgiven for crimes and sins that merited death. We were released from a debt we could never repay. So the natural response should be gratefulness and a willingness to say, I'll do anything you ask, Lord, you know, like wherever you go, I'll go. Like, you know, you see this response all throughout the Gospels, for example, or famously, I think in John 8, you get Jesus saying to the woman caught in adultery, I do not condemn you. That's the first thing he says, even though she was literally, you know, caught in the act and will, you know overlook the fact that the Pharisees did not bring the man (laughs) into that thing. But the fact is, Jesus looks at her and says, I don't condemn you. That's the first thing he says. Then he says, now go and sin no more. Like, so it's not, that order is really important, right? is what I'm getting at. Because it's good and right for us to recognize what Christ has done for us and then say, yes, I want to obey you and please you and do whatever you ask. I mean, after all, like the Bible is stuffed full of both warnings to stay away from sin and encouragements to obey God. And I think that's the other thing that confuses us is like those imperatives are all over scripture. Right. So it's not like you can just, <laughs> you look at the imperatives and say, well, I don't have to worry about that because I'm justified. Like, <laughs> I mean, it depends on what you mean by that. Again, you get Jesus saying, I don't condemn you. Now go and sin no more. So when we run into problems is when we conflate our justification and sanctification. Because mm-hmm. if you think about this for a minute, we still tend to think to ourselves, well, if I'm still struggling with sin and not living as holy a life as I ought, I must not be saved. Yeah, or something like that. We somehow think we've jeopardized it. Yeah, some twist on that. And then, of course, our assurance begins to tank. We find ourselves in the spiritual dumps, if not in outright despair. It gets really dark Yeah, really quick. If you are looking to yourself as the ultimate barometer for Am I safe? Am I a child of God or not? And obviously you can get into a lot of detail with this, but I think at its heart, this can all be pretty simply avoided by not mixing justification and sanctification together. In other words, when you sin, because you will continue to sin until you see the Lord face to face, right? That's First John says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So, you know, expunge your mind of that thought. <laughs> When you sin, you must not look at yourself in the mirror and say, wow, I probably lost my justification over this. Ooh. Okay, that's that's not how this works. Yeah. You didn't. Your justification is not dependent upon your sanctification. If that was the case, no one could be saved, right? Because yeah. no one's going to be perfectly sanctified on this planet. Right. Rather, your sanctification is dependent on your justification. And, you know, this is what theologians call a big honking deal. <laughs> yeah, you know? I think so. Because it works out like this. If your right standing before God is dependent dependent on your right living, then not only are you doomed because you can't live rightly enough, but Jesus died for no reason if that's actually the case. 
Because if you could get a not guilty verdict through your own efforts, then Jesus didn't need to come into the world, let alone suffer and die. Right. Right. So if you know, on the other hand, that because of Jesus, God always and only sees you as righteous before him, you are freed to not only strive for holiness and obedience, which will ultimately, of course, make you happier in the long run because you'll be living with the grain of the created order and doing what's pleasing to the one who saved you. But you'll also be able to come to him boldly for grace and mercy in your hour of need, as Hebrews 4.16 says. You don't have to be afraid to confess your sins to God because he already knows them and he's promised to forgive them, right? It says if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, I mean, did you think you could hide your sin from him anyway? That's really? always something else I come back to. Like, yeah. you think it's as if like you can cover that up and be like, well, you know, you might be able to hide it from your spouse, your parents, your best friend. Okay. That might be possible. Ultimately, I don't think you can do it for long, but you <laughs> might be able to do it. Right. But not from God. I was reading this morning and going through my prayer of confession and a line in there is, oh Lord, you who know our most secret innermost thoughts, you know, have mercy on us. Like he knows all those things, but he wants to give you pardon and grace. So just mm. why not come to him to receive that? Thinking, you know? thinking back to that um, Le Mis example, like what did Jean Valjean have to hide from the priest? What right. did he have to gain from hiding away from the priest or refusing that soul? You know, it's like right. yes. there was nothing to gain there right. unless he would simply and humbly accept that. Right, exactly. And that's really all we're doing here. So at any rate, what I'm trying to get at here is don't mix these two things up. They are distinct mm. and they ought to be kept that way. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'll be coming back to this episode when I need to hear it. That's <laughs> good. For those days when I've forgotten and I have mixed them and I've created a little Nephilim of <laughs> despair. I, I mean, honestly, you know, it's just encouraging, you know, to be reminded of that sometimes. It is. It is. And I think you can really understand why this became such a huge deal to a guy like Paul in letters like Galatians and Romans especially, and why he yeah. hammers us home so much. Because if you don't get this distinction straight, you're going to, no joke, I mean, probably end up in a lot of despair, a lot of legalism, a lot of moralism, and you're going to make yourself the barometer of your salvation. Mm. Like, you... Again, like you can test yourself in such a way to say like, oh, how am I like, am I living as holy a life as I, yeah, of course you can do all that. But as soon as you make that the barometer of, am I justified? Mm. That's when you're really going to run into trouble. And so, yeah, we do need these reminders. I need these reminders because it's really, as you pointed out at the beginning of this episode, easy to forget that and to remember that Christ holds you and there is nothing in all creation. And since you are a part of creation, that includes you. Indeed. Nothing that can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. So, yeah, hope that was encouraging and helpful to you listening today wherever you are and whatever you happen to be doing and if it was and you want to leave us an honest five-star review in that apple podcast platform that would be cool i was trying to make a justification sanctification reference on the fly about that but i don't have anything on that yeah yeah if you have any questions on this or any other topic you can email us as always at podcast at horizonschurch.net or interact with us on social media so thank you as always for listening and we will catch you next time